0: Hello, and welcome back to Logical Magic Examining Esoterica. Hey, today for you, I have a life coach, a spiritual medium, a tarot reader, and a former prison guard. His name is Rick Paul. He's coming to you from the United Kingdom in Lincolnshire in the United Kingdom. Um, I've, thank you so much for joining me today, Rick. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fine, thank you. How's yourself? How's yourself?
0: I'm doing really well. It's the 4th of July here, and you're kind enough to join me on what is otherwise a holiday in this country, but not in yours for very understandable reason. Hey, Rick, how did you go from being a prison guard, which has to be so very stressful, um, to being a spiritual medium? What happened there? You have a long journey towards your connection. And I know in the prison system, you kind of have to be very shut down to all the misery, all the pain, all the anguish that can leave behind energetic signatures, Tell me a little bit about your journey from prison guard to spiritual medium
1: well the thing is 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 wiseness in hindsight. Um, I didn't really know what I was experiencing at the time but I just know when you're saying there about the uh, the being shut off it really resonated with me and I think that that's what what was actually happening I was opening up but I didn't realize it because I'd done my level best to close my emotions down. I ended up in hospital um, with a kidney stone as a result of stress and um, anxiety and all of, the, all of these sort of things. And I got to meet somebody that changed the course of my life. Now, he was in hospital with cancer. He got. Um, he told me when we'd had a discussion that he'd got um, about, well, it was terminal. He didn't really know how long it was. So what he was doing was ticking off things off his bucket list. So we swapped a few stories and we spoke about um, how he got to that point where he was and how I got to my point where I was. And we struck up a real friendship there. And he said, can I offer you a piece of advice and guidance? And I said, yeah, of course you can. He said, well, what I'm going to say to you is don't sweat the small stuff. So I just gave that age old answer of that's easier said than done. So over the course of the evening, we got more conversations. We swapped war stories about this, that and the other. Anyway, this went on into the night towards the morning, the early hours of the morning. The nurses came around to do their checks and things like that. So he went off to have his shower and all of, the, all of that sort of thing. And I was waiting uh, for my checks to be done so I could do the same thing. Now, as my checks were done, I came out of uh, my cubicle. The curtain was pulled back. And the gentleman that I've been speaking to was like diagonally across from me, diagonally across from me. And as he as we got within eye line distance, he collapsed. He went, he face-planted, right? And there was no attempt to stop himself. He just went bang, straight down on the floor and he was gone. So it sets off that, that system in place where they come across with the paddles and they're trying to get him back to all of this sort of thing. And it was just like, me being plugged into the mains just such a shock because six or eight hours before he'd said to me don't sweat the small stuff and then I just knew I had to change I just knew I had to change my life so when I got back to work I met somebody else who I'd not seen for a long long time who said oh I hear you've been poorly he said where you been so you go through the whole storyline and I said well forget about that he said give me a big hug big man and he said lovely to see you back. Absolutely lovely to see you back. I says, forget about me. I says, where you been? He said, I'm being medically retired today. And I said, you? And I say, big bear of a man, big strong man, big gym man, big sportsman. He said, I've got um, a cancer diagnosis. He said, I've got about three months left to live. And again, it was just like being plugged into the mains. So wow. that day I went down to my bosses and I basically quit. I couldn't do it anymore.
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, Rick, so your hospital, like, essentially roommate, I, when you say that he faceplanted, do you mean he died, that he expired, that he passed on, he shuffled yep. up to the coil? Yep. Oh, my goodness. What a drop dead type of shock. I'm genuinely not trying to be funny. That had to have been quite the term. And then you go to work and one of your co-workers is being medically retired for, I take it, very progressed cancer as well. You're absolutely right. That is like that's called a tower moment. And you also are a tower reader, tarot reader, so you know full well what a tower moment is. It is that divine intervention, the epiphany, the like you can't ignore the message. I've told people over and over again, the universe will blow up the bridge you are standing on if it's leading you to the wrong path. And that is very close to what happened to you. So you were a prison guard for 12 years. We uh, had a little conversation off camera and you had been diagnosed with PTSD from this, which makes absolutely perfect sense. You were not a men's prison, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah.
0: Um, and so the offenders around you, I'm sure they had troubled histories, some violent histories. It does create an energy that you have to protect yourself from that you need to be shielded from. What happened after you retired, after you quit?
1: Right, so I've got a bad back. So I decided that at the age of 42 years of age, what the best thing that I could do with a bad back and limited mobility was to go back to college and learn how to do plastering. Right, so I went back to, back to school, new education, and then I started to work on building sites to supplement my income from leaving the prison service. Twelve years of Plastered, what I've known. Like
0: drywall. You went and yes yeah. yeah, yeah. certified yeah. in that. Yeah. you have had a very eclectic journey.
1: Oh, I think I left school in 1988. I've had 30 different jobs up to now. you sure
0: so. you're on a quest, and have you think yeah. you've found your destination? So you went from being a plasterer, and then what happened?
1: Well, this was a strange thing. While I was supplementing my income um, on these building sites, I was traveling around wherever there was laboring jobs. I'd I'd be there and I'd be on a brush sweeping up, cleaning up whatever whatever the needs be to earn a crust. And I was in the corner of a garage one day, loading in some drywall, as you call it there, loading in all of the equipment for the next lot of people coming in. And stood in the corner of the room was my granddad. Right. Now, my granddad had passed away. 10 years before and as I said to you earlier on very very black and white didn't know anything about this this sort of thing and yet I cannot find any analytical reason any logical reason but my granddad was stood in the corner of that room and it frightened the living daylights out of me I didn't know what to make it at all.
0: Was he solid? Was he see-through? Was it a full body representation? Was it part of him? What did he look like to
1: you? It was just energy. It wasn't a, It wasn't a solid form. It was a representation of him, almost like a shadow, but it had got colour to it as well. So I could see very clearly who it was, but I, could, I couldn't process it because I'm quite analytically minded. I, I, I had no idea where to put that at all.
0: We have that in common. It's very funny that I ended up doing this because I've always been, I'm a huge fan of science. Like my personal hero growing up was Jonas Salk who developed the polio vaccine and died while he was helping with the AZT cocktail for AIDS. Um, And so like that, I science, love it. There needs to be an explanation. And so we are both in these very esoteric fields, despite having very analytical minds. Did he speak to you? Did he have a message for you? Did he gesture? Was there anything other than the representation of him?
1: So my granddad um, was a uh, a very, what's the right word? I'm looking for the right word without being too sort of pushy with it. Uh, Eccentric. He, were, he, he was a, he's a man around around our area because we're farming based I remember when I was a kid um coming back from one of his little deals that he'd done in the back of an old car sat on the top of a ton of turnips that he'd done a deal with so he was that sort of guy and he had what's known in England as a cadging bag now cadging means to scrounge to borrow to do deals with mm-hmm. and this bag went with him everywhere it was a canvas bag and he would do deals on all sorts of I don't know what he swapped, but this bag was always full. So he got that around him and he basically tipped his cap because he always wore a cap. He tipped his cap and then he just kind of like disappeared. And I was, I mean, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. So I'm just searching my mind for what this could possibly be. And I still know more of an answer to this day.
0: It's now... How do you go? So you go home from this and I'm sure you're very like you had to be very knocked off balance in terms of your energetic and emotional equilibrium. You've changed careers to have something that's far less stressful. And suddenly your departed grandfather is appearing in the room, tipping his cap. Love the fact that he was he knew knew all about the barter system and apparently was continuing it in his uh, spiritual representations. That is absolutely awesome. So you took this as a sign.
1: Yeah, um, I start. I've always been curious about mediums and people who work with spirit. And what I would say is, honestly, when I went down to my first meeting at the spiritualist church, and I do want to point out here that it's more as a as a visitor rather than saying it's a religion or a faith to me. But I went into this place for the first time, and one of the ladies came out and gave me a big hug, which which for me, being the black and white guy kind of guy that I was, was very. Uh, I was like very defensive, very off-put by this. Anyway, she put her arms around me, and it just felt like somebody had stuck a pin in me, and all of this stress and all of this anxiety just sort of went, ugh. She was a healer. She she was, and she's a fantastic lady, played a big part in uh, my development as well. And she said, do you realise that you've got a future at this sort of thing? And I looked at her, and I went, a future at what? She went, Mark my words, within 18 months you will be demonstrating on platform. And I laughed at it. But it seemed to go once I started to notice those synchronicities. So I spent like three and a half years, possibly even four years, in the development system in the spiritualist church, going from standing up and doing a reading every week to actually getting involved with the mediums and doing the work there. And then I went on to train with two local mediums, spent quite a lot of money learning how to train. But to be truthful with you, so all of these people that that have this like big awakening moment in their life, I still sat there puzzling. I I truthfully didn't get any of it. I, I didn't understand what I'd been given. I didn't understand what my purpose was. And I was on the point of just going, right, thank you. I've enjoyed the experience, but I feel so uncomfortable. I need to move away from it. And then the next thing then starts to come in. So it's such a strange, strange journey, but I've, I've enjoyed it immensely.
0: So when, when was the first time you received a message for somebody? What was was it under the circumstances of you were attempting to read from them, or you met somebody and they had someone who had a message?
1: The strange thing is, the first message that I ever received for anybody was for myself. I was going through a bit of an anxiety attack, a bit of a, a bit of a panic. And there was just this overwhelming feeling of calm coming in I can't put, put a, a name to a face I don't truthfully know who who it was that brought that message but the message was learning about to practice gratitude so that has been my um I think like my bedrock for as long as I've been doing this work now so for the that was 10 years ago since I first walked into that spiritualist church and I've always looked at it like uh, I first I joined the armed forces when I left school that was my dream job that was all I ever wanted to do and when I passed my selection the uh, the guy who passed the selection said right always remember this he said what I give I can always take away so my spiritual journey has always been the same I treat my spiritual gift as an on loan gift that I've been given from the powers that be Mm -hmm. and if I don't practice the gratitude then I believe that that can be removed or weakened or I can be taken out of that system. So for me, I've always got my learner plates on. I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. But the, the joy in my heart that it brings me is just absolutely incredible.
0: Um, it is a, a term and it's called a gift for a reason. And one of the things that you had referred to, I'd like to touch back on, which is that like anybody who listens to me um, on a regular basis knows that I make a big differentiation between the idea of faith and the idea of religion. Faith is your connection to whatever power, source, divine, God, whatever deity that you may happen to connect with. And then religion is the man-made structure that tries to control the people who have faith. And yeah. teachings of central figures in a religion can transform your life, and we're all essentially the same. Which is, can we please be kind to each other? Practice compassion, decency, uh, gratitude as well. Because one of the, when they tell you to count your blessings, it's not the same thing as telling you please stop complaining. Although it's been turned into that societally. What it really is, is that is the energy that you will inhabit. If you look at your life for what it is rather than what it isn't, your entire energy will transform, your view of life will transform, the way you feel will transform as well. And I love the fact that you think that gratitude is one of the things that helps connect you to something that, like I've talked about this on my YouTube channel, even though I can do spirit mediumship, I'm highly resistant to it. And the it's the only reason being is I was a super fearful child. And I think it's because I could see spirits. And so I was always I was terrified of the dark as a child because God knows what was actually going on around me. Um, And so I resisted it as an adult. I will do it under very specific circumstances when it's somebody who has earthbound karma that they would like to release so that they can move on to their incarnation, their next incarnation. When you do spirit mediumship, is it somebody contacting you? I would like to talk to my departed grandfather, grandmother, best friend, or is it that when you're reading for somebody, somebody books an appointment with you, and then you perceive the people around them?
1: Yeah, the the the, the latter one. I perceive the people around them. So my way of knowing that I've actually got spirit energy around me is, and I need to sort of set the the background to this is I've never smoked, but when I'm reading and I start to connect in with that energy, I develop a smoker's cough. and uh-huh. um, It starts to come in around the throat chakra when I'm communicating. The analytical part of me is, is still sort of playing in the background, and it, it will want to give me something that as an everyday earthbound person that I can structurally understand. So what I'm led to believe by my own inner being is that my narrator is telling me something -hmm. And all I have to do is be the microphone and the conduit and pass that message across.
0: And that's it.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. As soon as I start to think, then that's my analytical coming in, and that's not my spiritual side there. Because the, the messages that I deliver, I couldn't possibly know. You know, I could sit there and research and look for certain characteristics about people, but the stuff that's brought through for me and you just even I sit there when I've delivered it and go (laughs) you know when it it really strikes home it's just such a fantastic feeling for people
0: I I know exactly what you're talking about and I love the fact that you use the idea of being a conduit because I refer to myself as a divine conduit I'm actually attached to the throat chakra um, which is the Archangel Gabriel in the belief system that I was raised in, but I do not practice any religion. Um, but it's the spirit of air, the spirit of advanced communication and it is exactly what allows people to do spirit mediumship. And I that's something that people need to understand as well is that you will get more valid messages, you will get more um, guidance, if you reserve that little bit that part of you that is still questioning because it's less likely that a trickster can come in. And that is something that people need to watch for. You mentioned training and that is part of the reason that I do not do a bunch of spirit mediumship is that to truly be safe in that land, you really need the training that I don't have the time or energy currently to focus on. What was your training
1: like? Uh, There was a, it, it came in stages and and i look back now even just sort of six years down the line since i started doing this professionally um that how everything just came into into a neat bunch i'd been told as i said earlier that i'd got um a way about me and a presence about me and that i'd got a future doing this but I'd, i truthfully didn't get it so i thought well there's going to be people out there that are going to be able to like work with me and help me understand what what I'm going through because i I'd gone through all of my life's memories everything that I knew everything that I trained over my years of life and I've got no answers so I started a a 30-week training course with a a professional medium Mm -hmm. alongside that I was working on uh, I think I did four courses four different courses with another professional stage medium as well as attending uh, all of the church circles every week. So my week was pretty much full up for six months, solid training. In fact, you could even extend that into a year's, year's time where it was you were constantly um, exposed to that, that sort of energy. And you start to develop your own discipline with that as well because I've, I, I have, and I still at times, feel awkward when I go in and just let the full lot of me go. But I'm, I'm so grateful for it. But there was lots and lots of times where I got lost in the darkness of my own mind, you know, haunted by certain things in the prison service, haunted by my own black and white nature. So to go into these environments and be able to switch off for a while was just, it's so cathartic for me. I've got nothing but f- fond memories of my uh, beginning training.
0: That's something people need to understand, and particularly the atmosphere that you came from that was just rife with stress and hostility, and fear, and all of the things that can accompany people who are truly suffering, because most criminals are simply acting from a place of pain. And that is why it's usually best to approach a prison system as a rehabilitation system. But a lot of people don't get the help that they need. And so you were surrounded by almost steeping in this energy. And in your own journey, it helped you set down those burdens, did it not?
1: It certainly did. It it was just lovely to go in there. I mean, you're probably more of an expert on PTSD than I am. So it took some challenges because of um, like being going into a darkened room and being told to switch your thoughts off, going into a room full of people that you don't know and that you can't get a a read on uh, and understand. Because, I mean, the biggest skill I developed from the prison service was observation of people. How they would react, how they would take certain pieces of information, what they were like on a good day, what they were like on a bad day. You had going to walk on
0: eggshells all the time, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, but going for, going into a room full of like really nice people that were just there to learn and experience that look. I, 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 I it was blowing my mind. There must have been steam coming out of my ears at some point because I just didn't understand it. And then they sort of say to sit there and then just say switch your mind off and sit in the dark, close your eyes. And you'll be OK. Well, anybody who's had PTSD will know that if you're in a state of hypervigilism, you want your eyes open. You want to cover all of your exits. You might be counting. You might be experiencing all sorts of feelings. So it took a good few weeks to actually go, do you know what? All I need to do here, there's no expectations on me. I'm safe. It's just breathe. And I know that sounds like a real basic thing there, but just actually learning to slow down the breathing. And once you're breathing and you're in a normal state of breathing, that also slows down the thought process. So I've never quite got around to solving the issue about switching the mind off. But I put it in a place now that when I'm working, that that's to deal with on my earthbound journey. When I'm working spiritually, that isn't relevant. So on my off time, I might have to dip into that uh, dustbin And pull out. But once I'm working in the spirit, the energy, the enthusiasm, the love, all of the healing is just there instantly.
0: That is something that is so key for people in the audience who are trying to develop their own intuitive powers, their own gifts, their own ability to receive. You were in an atmosphere where you had to be constantly defensive, and that is what causes PTSD and CPTSD. And so it can be very challenging for people with either of those conditions to learn how to meditate, because dropping your defenses meant putting yourself in actual physical freaking peril. And that is why it can be such a challenge. And one of the things that you're talking about is key to achieving, instead of a defensive state, a receptive state, which is allowing yourself to have things that you will deal with at a different time. That is allowing a thought to happen and letting it drift by until it can be properly sorted at a different time. Sometimes, particularly if you have a trauma-based disorder or trauma-based damage, what you have to accept is that stilling your mind may not be possible, but not Focusing on the chatter it is causing is the thing that you're trying to learn. That thing where I will shelve that for later, I will deal with that, that is part of a different set of memories and energies. And that is one of the greatest tools that people who are trying to develop this gift or even receive it can be in is understanding that, yeah, you may have intrusive thoughts, you may have distracting thoughts, Deal with those later and allow yourself to simply be open to the idea of something and the energy trying to come to you and being coming from a place of gratitude. What I'm always trying to tell people in magic is part of the reason I do not do baneful magic, which is B-A-N-E-F-U-L, which is to cause harm is because if I don't ever reach for that energy, It has a really hard time reaching me. And that is the same like theory behind trying to live in an energy of gratitude. So do you often get messages for yourself or are they primarily for
1: clients? Very rarely do I get messages for myself. What I tend to find is if something is going to come through for me, there's two or three people around me that I spot them coming. And I think right, I know that I'm in for something. I'm in for a roasting about something or they'll have picked up on something that I'll have put on social media that they've gone, right, I know you and I know what the undercurrent is. But no, my, my work um, is I put a tagline on, not that I understand what hashtags are about, but I just had this dream one day about putting this hashtag on about desire to inspire so my whole work ethic with all of this sort of thing is that, is that if you've got anxiety, if you've got depression, PTSD, and all of, the, all of that sort of thing, that's like a your product. That's part of you. And I get that. I really do. I'm coming from a place where I'll, I'll understand, I'll be empathic. But my next thing, whenever I sit with anybody, is to go, and then what? What's the next part of your story? So the idea behind Desire to Inspire was to, to look at the difficulties that I've had so that I feel like in some things I'm an expert on it because I've been right to the bottom. I've, I've been as far down as you can possibly get. So when I meet anybody, straight away, I am what I call their bald-headed Jiminy Cricket, their voice of conscience. I am 100% enthusiastic about their lives, but they've got to match my enthusiasm for their life once I can get into their psyche once I can start connecting with people that matter to them once I can start connecting into their energies and then I truthfully believe that the client or the person that I'm working with is potentially on a pathway like a rocket to the stars you tap into somebody you give them upliftment you give them the strength to the the tools for self-empowerment I am just so passionate and bubbling over with helping people reach their full potential and and what do I get off it well do you know I I truthfully get that better feeling the the confidence than that I lacked when I was younger the anxiety and all of that sort of thing is that well I've come from that to being getting messages from people that you've truly changed my life Mm -hmm. and as lovely as those those messages are right I haven't changed anybody's life they've changed their own lives I've played a part and for that, I am so grateful. And we're back full circle to that practicing gratitude again.
0: And that's true. You're trying to facilitate somebody's spiritual and emotional healing and growth. Um, And that's what I'm always trying to tell clients who whenever we do, and we're always like, I'm always so incredibly grateful for people sharing what their experiences were, but it isn't truly me either. It is something that I work with. And so humility is another part of achieving your abilities at the highest level that you can within this lifetime. When you are life coaching for somebody, do you lead them through the ability to try and connect with their own intuitive powers up to and including spirit mediumship?
1: that's a that's a lovely question i've just going to just tweak it just just a little bit there because i've had a lot of requests over the last 18 months to teach right and i've I, I even put a poll out on facebook that all of these people that have asked me to teach what is it that you want me to teach you because i can teach you all about me and what i've done but i don't feel qualified to teach somebody else how to do something so i always ask the question That if I was to say to you that you're spiritually connected, that you're doing readings, that you can see spirit, you can do whatever, how would you know that you're receiving that piece of information? So the very first thing I do with somebody is just go, right, do you know you? Do you know who you truly are? Do you know the life that you've lived? And then say to them, right, so if I put a pile of money down in the middle of that table and said, you, you can have that money to buy the most qualified teacher in the world. I want you to think carefully this before I hand this money over. Who can train you to be you better than you can? And that's where, where I have a little bit, you said you're not too keen on doing your mediumship. That's why I'm not too keen to do teaching because I believe that it's tapping into that person's energy and just maybe just putting a torch on while they stand there and figure things out. But to actually say, hey, follow me, follow my life's examples I truthfully wouldn't want people to follow my life's examples and go through the hurt and the pain but uh, the one thing I always knew I was good at in the prison service when I had to go through any difficult situation was that if somebody had had to go into a hostile situation and have an argument a fight and sometimes we had to restrain people and all of that sort of thing then I would always be at their side and that is the part of me that, from the prison service, that I've brought with with me into my spiritual work. That whatever we go into, however dark that we need to be, you're not on your own. I'll be stood there as shining the light on you, giving you guidance and also supporting you. And so far, it's worked out really, really well. So I'm I say I'm just so thrilled. And that this is one thing I've being interviewed by you, that I hope comes across because. One of my pet hates, I think, with any of this work is people who work from an ego standpoint. You know, look at me, admire me. I'm brilliant. I'm amazing. Right? There's not one part of me in there that cares about that. I care about each and every client that sits down in front of me, that I just want them to see the true light that I see when they sit with me. Sometimes I've got to rub out some rough corners and we've got to go in there and clean things up a little bit but once they can stand and look at the mirror and their true self and be their true light and and their what they're meant to be here for you know it, the potential is just huge I just again I just so love seeing that light on people's faces when they light up
0: I I fully agree with you. And it is part of the reason that what I always look at myself as someone who is a companion on your journey for the length of time that you may need me. And you may take pieces of information from me Or you may learn something from me, but that is not the same thing as me being a teacher. It is that your journey is your journey, and you will find the people who can add to the building blocks of your new strong and sturdy foundation. And part of the reason I do so little spirit mediumship, and it's only for departed people who are trying to relieve a burden for themselves and for the person who is receiving the reading, is that... I'm trying to help people learn how to live in the here and the now, learning the lessons from the past that they can to understand themselves and their responses, so that they can heal their energetic and emotional centers, so they can have better outcomes in the here and the now, which gives them a better future because they will have a greater understanding of self. So I look at myself as a guide versus a teacher as well. Can you read people remotely? Do you work people with remotely? Because you're in the United, you're in the United Kingdom. I'm in the United States, but we're. Having having no trouble communicating are you able to read people remotely
1: I I do it's that's where you need the faith in your guides and your inspirers and your spiritual team because at the end of the day all of this work is about energy and as you said right at the beginning about the the dogs if they're sensing energy in a certain place and then that transfers and the the dogs are extra sensitive to pick up I believe it's the same with human human beings I just have that faith that that is my gift. That is the gift that I've been loaned, that when that client has been sent to me, that they've been sent for a reason. The divine guidance is not from me. I believe that's from the divine. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in uh, noticing synchronicities. So a lot of the clients that I have when I do the read readings at fairs there, that consistently one of the comments has been, wow, I wasn't expecting that. Because they've come looking for an answer to, you know, a relationship issue or things like that. And I, and I know that that affects people. But what I'm looking at is bigger things with that, is, is helping switch people on. Because I believe that collective energy, once we all start joining up like atoms and molecules, that that can make a big difference in the world itself. But we need many, many people to be able to do that. So the more people that I believe that you can help to heal, I'm not setting myself up as any sort of guru here, But if you can get people to tap into what's already there and then they they inspire the next person and the next person, pretty soon we're going to have areas that are going to be covered by uh, people that have got that same energy. And that's where the magic really starts to happen. Then, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Um, that, that really ties in to my philosophy as well. I do read for people on relationships, but I'm always trying to get them to focus on healing their inner wounds and looking outward and contributing to the greater world. Because here's the thing, if you get every answer that you ever need for your personal life, and if you only heal your personal energies the greater world still has an impact on you. That is the collective energy. If you try and join your energy with something that is positive, that is healing, then that energy builds and it begins to shift the momentum, the focus, and even the balance towards something that is beneficial to us all. And the reason that we always want to give back is it creates an energy exchange. It keeps us in a better balance and it gives us more perspective on the things that have happened to us and will happen to us because being connected does not give you a perfect life, but what it does do is help with your perspective when something goes wrong, to understand there is a lesson to be learned in it, that you can grow in greater confidence and greater wisdom with every challenge that you face, that it isn't that you'll love and embrace your challenges, but you will begin to love and embrace yourself more and more when you see yourself as somebody who is riding forward confidently in their life, knowing that they can meet whatever life is bringing towards them and change it for the better, which is what you're talking about with a more positive collective energy. So when you've been working with people, have you ever received a message from their guides? Because that's happened for for me when I've been reading.
1: Uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's been directly like that, but uh, when you see that, or you feel that their guide has been trying to do work with that person themselves. And then I did, I did a reading recently with somebody and I've just come back from stonehenge which is a very spiritual place i was in a in a caravan on the stonehenge campsite and some weird wonderful weird and wonderful things have just been around it's been amazing but i've I'd, I'd got this image of a, a guide sat there and i just sort of blurted out what i was being given and she went i know exactly where that's coming from she says, because I'm getting the feeling already, my guide will kick me up the backside when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've been avoiding whatever this is. And she's going like this. And she went, just get it off your chest. I went, it's not me. I promise you, this has got nothing to do with me. So she's went, I know what that. who that is. That's my guide. Now, what does he look like? And I don't literally see. So that's the thing, because it's, it's auditory and I'm hearing it. And I so I put look up there or look to the spirit energy wherever it is in the room and just say right just give me something that I can pass back and she went right I've got to start listening have I and then she kind of then went on to do her own reading which was great for me because all I needed to do was just nudge her a little bit and just go where does it what does it look like from there what does it look like from there and she's going "And um, what made me smile at the end of it she went I get it <laughs> I get it thank you so much she said but I spent money I said well what's that time worth? What's your life's hours just been worth? When you walk away from here, would you have been happy to get a message about your relationship or, you know, where, wherever you're going to go with your job or would you prefer to get what you've just got? She went, well, what I've just got. I went, well, you spent your money wisely then, haven't you?
0: Um, and that is something for people who are reading to remember as well, we we start from a place of ego, which is very self centered and very self focused. And please understand the ego is not evil, but it will hold you back from a greater connection and a greater resonance. And so coexisting with it versus eradicating it is what we're trying to do. Because your wants, your needs, your emotions will still exist. But if you put them in the proper perspective and work with a greater collective knowledge and a greater collective perspective, you will know greater peace, you will know greater happiness, and your ego will actually be happier. Because you will not feel as thwarted and challenged. Because that's what happens when we're coming from that one singular perspective of ego. When you are reading for anyone else or even and for yourself, the messages that come through have resonance and they pertain to you as well. Because we talk about, you know, you're not a teacher and I'm not a teacher. We're just guides here. Our guides are not just here to help us perform a professional function. They're helping to connect us to a world unseen that can aid us in this very difficult journey. And one of the things that people are always saying when they're talking about the divine, and I'm always telling people to differentiate between religion and faith, when we're talking about the divine, the divine has not created this world in the way that we think that it has, the energy has. The divine is not responsible for wars, for famine, for violence, for misery, We are, we have created a world that has valued the wrong things. And the only hope of correcting that is to begin to value things differently ourselves. Um, there, I think it's um, one of the sayings from, I believe it's Judaism, is he who saves, the, saves one man saves the world entire. If you are also working on saving yourself, you are able to extend that energy outward and outward and outward. And you think of it as a pebble that you're falling in, throwing into a pond and the ripples extending out and extending out and extending out. And that is what doing better and walking forward with a humble and a caring and a compassionate energy can start doing around you. And always have an ear tuned to what validity does this message have for me? Because we can all start erecting walls around a perceived structure. You're, when you are working in a prison system, it was very difficult on you, but you knew The routine, what you needed to do, how to keep yourself safe, it was a predictable thing. We can fall into a rut in spirituality as well, thinking I do this and the answers come to me for the other person, but they always have something for you as well. We are both a student and a guide at the exact same time. Tell me a little bit about your tarot work. How'd you get into tarot, Rick?
1: Um, That was, again, right at the beginning with the, I I went to a, what was it it was like it was a a demonstration but there was lots of different lots of different people there and there was a guy just sat there um very uh I don't know what the best way very very showbiz looking but for me it just got this energy about him and he commanded the whole room when he when he spoke he was like people were really drawn to him and I thought that's strange that I would be drawn to somebody like that and then as you say you get these little feelings come into your your own mind there and the lessons that you learn and then I realized that all throughout my life through from a very young boy I've always been this presence in the room where people will have a laugh with me that I, I don't always mean to do it where I draw people towards me and I've always had this ambition to actually stand on a stage but not have the confidence or the wherewithal to actually do it and to watch this man there step out there and hold this room in the palm of his hands, I thought, God, I want so so much of that. But I've gone in there, and I've done all of his training courses, and the big thing, and I just want to pick up on something you said said there as well, that knowing who your true self is and listening to the messages and the lessons that you're going to learn for yourself. I sit in front of a banner at my shows that I do and the events around our, our country, that says I am what I am I do what I do I'm just me you see when I went in to meet this guy I looked at him and I wanted to be like he was and that for me where I've gone 360 is what I realize now when I go into a room or I go into a place I want to be like me and I want to like me and I want to put all of my energy into being that one person that I am you know that is my true unique self and step into it and accept that I've got my flaws. I've, I'm far, what we have a saying over here, I'm far too gobby, which is basically I'm far too mouthy and sometimes too blunt and direct. And I get, I give things maybe in the wrong way, but it's always from a loving heart. I just get that passionate and want people to progress that, what happens now is people actually come for readings for me because they'll just go right if you want fluffy buy yourself a kitten if you want blunt and direct this is the guy to go and sit with and and it it shocks me sometimes when I deliver something and I'm going oh but I keep getting people coming back and I, I did one reading the other week at Stonehenge that has really sat with me I got to the stage where I wanted to shape this lady because everything she was telling me, I could just see that she was obstructing herself Mm. and she was listening to other people's opinions about her. She was listening and I I wanted to be the father figure for a moment there and just go, right, that person there is no good for you. Stop listening to them. This is I want you to realise just how strong you are. I want you to realise just what your potential is. I said, Look, I'm ever so sorry because she was a little bit jumpy as well. We're in a strange environment, in a small caravan, and there I am. I wouldn't say I was lecturing her, but I was kind of like being quite forceful with her. And she went. She looked at me and she went, "I've heard all about you." And she says, "And I give you my permission to be brutal." And I'm. I, and I kept. For me, I'm. I'm normally, if that's the invitation, I'll go. I'll go steaming in. But with this one, I just felt she was so vulnerable and so sort of low down in her energy. And I did the reading and I did hold back a little bit, which is very unusual for me. And she stood up at the end of the reading and there was a brief pause moment where I was thinking, I've either got her and I've got through to her or I've really set her back and I've upset her. She said, can I have a hug? Well, hugging, even after the six years that I've been doing, is still not a natural thing for me from the environment I came from. So she dropped into dropped into my chest. She put her head there. And she just went, oh, and all of this energy just went out of the caravan door. It just left. It just disappeared into the ether. A lot of emotional release there. She cried, cried for a little bit. And she said, thank you. She said, it's not what I came for, but it's what I needed. Thank you so much for not being soft. And truthfully i think that's the first time when i've held back with something that somebody's encouraged me to be tougher I, I i think up until last week i've never actually experienced that but i always look out and just go well that that was obviously what was needed because i'd connected in i don't know whether i'd connected in with her guides or just the energy in the situation around her but she allowed me and i felt very privileged to start that and she messaged me a couple of days ago to say right I've really started now to take these things to pieces and deal with it and let the world know who I truly am. And I'm just like this, sat on the other side of the camera just going, brilliant. I'm so, so thrilled for it.
0: Um, the, the, the wonderful thing that you're referring to is that if we hand our self-esteem, our self-image, the way we view ourselves to the masses, All you're going to get back is a collection of other people's fears and neuroses, because what other people do and say is about what's going on within them. They're not seeing you in some deeply authentic way in normal social interactions and discourse. What they are seeing is the things that they are looking to pick apart, to say, do you conform to the standard that I believe other people should hold? Never put your worth in that area. Don't try to people please. And it is particular to people who have been abused, who have trauma, who have complex post-traumatic stress disorder, is that they learned that the only way to be safe was to people please. And truly, the only way to be safe as an autonomous and an independent adult is to not people please. It's not the same thing as being, you know, brash and like uncaring and rude, What it is saying is that you do not alter yourself to the expectations of others. You simply hold yourself to the highest standard that you can so you can achieve a connection to your highest and most authentic self so that you can do the work here that your soul came here to do. And please understand your life's purpose and your spiritual journey lies outside your comfort zone. It always does. It will make you deeply uncomfortable to look at yourself authentically, but that does not the same. Please don't put the idea of liking and loving yourself into the idea of societally approving of every impulse and action that you've ever undertaken, because often it is part of the damage and the injury that you are trying to heal. If you can look at yourself as the things that you have done in the past that you may not love about yourself or the behaviors that you have engaged in that you may not love about yourself as being something that you are trying to examine in order to clean out and heal, then you will make greater progress more swiftly. And there is a varied tone. Nobody has one method that applies to all people. We do, as anybody who tries to act as a guide or a healer, we do have to understand that people hear things in the time that they are able to and that people who have been very damaged by the world around them because often they're deeply sensitive, which can be put into an incredible and compassionate application to the greater world and to the greater good of their own happiness quite frequently, they have to be approached kindly and gently because truth comes to us in degrees and denial is a protective construct within our psyche. And that's what we're always trying to work with as people who are trying to act as guides is understanding where you can tread and not cause more damage, but make progress. And that's kind of what you're talking about is trying to find that winding path through the understandable vulnerabilities that we all have and if you're a sensitive person you have vulnerabilities and there is nothing wrong with that embrace and love that part of yourself and understand that other people's observations about you are mostly about them they do not have often a like telescope view into the interior of you don't alter yourself for others Alter yourself so that you can feel better and happier and more joyful and more connected. And when we're talking about things like a spiritual connection and tarot in particular, I have a lot of non-believers walk in and walk out believers because they don't understand how do pieces of paper give somebody an insight into what they think and feel. I don't know, but I know that they do. And the first tenet of any form of faith is that there is more to this world than we can see. And that is what you're interacting with constantly. So, Rick, what are your thoughts about what do you plan on doing with this going forward? What are you doing on your YouTube channel, which you just started?
1: Oh, the, the now so because we don't we haven't got like loads of time with it, I'll give you a brief brief insight with, with that. That um coming back from Stonehenge, I was told that there was going to be some big changes with you know from from the spiritual world from the people around me they were picking things up they were like full of knowledge that i that i wasn't party to and it wasn't until the the monday morning when i got home where i was i was having a shower and i was told that i was being reborn that i'd shed a skin and that i was being baptized now it was just an incredible awakening moment that is still, even now we're uh, like ten days removed, where I feel like I've been turned upside down, turned back up, and tur- turn things like that. The information came free from spirit about starting this YouTube channel, so I wrote my book, which I've I, I love talking to people, so that was a good excuse to connect in. I love doing the tarot cards. The so-
0: What's the title of your book? Because I, I I'm sorry, we've been so engaged in this, I haven't even engaged in the. You're an author as well. What's the title of your book?
1: Well, author author sounds a bit grand, but basically what happened was a very good friend of mine um, asked me to write some articles for one of the forums that he was on. And then he set me the challenge, and he's got this sort of knowing energy about him where he said, if you put me 20 articles together, I will make that into a book. Well, again, when you're not confident in things, it's like the title of author weighed heavy on me. So he said, well, just write what you think. So one of my biggest influences with uh, my writing is from a book called Aesop's Fables. And Aesop's Fables is the story and the moral behind the story. So I spend a lot of time out in nature walking with a dog. So I just basically observe the wildlife, observe the swans, uh, the trees, the whole environment, because it gives me peace. It gives me a settling of that energy. And then I just consider for a while. What that would be like if we had humans in that situation? What is nature showing me? What are trees showing me? What is that survival instinct? And things like that. So I wrote the book um, and I, I put out the intent and we've spoken about intent as well a little bit here as well. I put out the intent initially that if I sell one copy and we reach one person, I'd be really, really happy. And my wife said, you're making a mistake there. She says, because if you're saying that you only think that you want to sell one, you'll only sell one. Well, to date, it's sold over 100 copies. I'm very, very thrilled about it. I take the the, <laughs> the thing about an author like a crown of thorns because I don't consider myself an author. But I found it very cathartic to write and get my thoughts down onto paper because then i will get rid of it. Um, and I said to you, all about energy work so this is where we've gone into Stonehenge now and come out of that place and gone to the YouTube channel I truthfully don't know what I'm doing with that channel all I've been really really driven is to say right your healing work the energy that you're going to reach people with is going to expand exponentially but this is the thing about being a human being living a human existence I always want answers and I've got no patience, I want them now. But spirit there in their universal energy and having the bigger picture are saying, right, at least you're in the right spot.
0: And, and that's, 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 that's so key. That's so key because tarot is to give answers and understanding that if you heal your fear you will not need to know answers because you will be able to take things as they come. And allowing things to evolve into the shape and to the form and into the method and into the means that they are meant to is what we are all trying to do on a purposeful journey. And you are an author. We we get very wrapped up in titles and what other people will think of that. But you have penned things that you have then put into something that can be read by others. And having over a hundred copies sold means you've reached over a hundred people. And again, yes. think about the pebble in the, panel, in, the, in the pond and the ripples that grow from there. If you change a person's mindset, they begin to change the energy around them. The people around them begin to change. The things that they do think, speak, and feel begin to change. And that's how we change the world. We, we get really wrapped up in the who's a leader and this place is you know on fire almost literally. And what are we going to do about it? Start by changing you, change what you can. If you want the world to change for the better, change something for the better and make change your friend. I'm always trying to get people to understand that change is not your enemy. If you are not happy in the here and the now, you need something to change. Embrace change as evolution, as progress, as growth, as greater connection, and the thing that will heal everything. If the here and the now is disappointing you, harming you, or keeping you thwarted on any level, what you need is change and allow things to continue to change. We never arrive. A spiritual journey is not a destination. It is a journey and it does not end until the day we die. And then people like Rick Paul may be able to speak to us after that. But here in the mortal coil, we are on a journey that is ever evolving, ever growing and ever changing. Hey, Rick, thank you so, so much for sharing your story with me and your uh, point of view, which so neatly aligns with my own. So it's been really a thrilling experience for me. Where can people find you?
1: I've just written it down because my my memory at the minute is full of a thousand thoughts. So my uh, YouTube channel is, uh, he says just looking for it there, is Rick Paul, Waistcoat Man, uh, comma, Urban Angel. And my mediumship page is Rick Paul, Spiritual Medium and Psychic on Facebook. Haven't got a website at the moment because just tonight it's gone down for some reason and I don't know how to get it back. So I can't give a website. (laughs) But my book can be bought directly from me graceful thoughts there um can be bought directly from me if you message me on facebook or contact me direct i will arrange to have one sent out for you for the princely sum of seven pounds i don't know what that converts to in uh, american about ten dollars
0: uh, it's going to be about ten
1: dollars and then two pound postage and package postage and packaging um, and I again, will gladly going to be about 350
0: three dollars $3 or so so it's graceful yeah. thoughts by rick paul waistcoat man comma urban angel on youtube and then you are also on facebook as well rick thank you so much for joining me and again i really appreciate how humble you are about what you can do But if everybody was more like you, the world would be making greater progress. Never be afraid to change your life entirely because it will change your life entirely and it may have challenges with it. But you will grow more confident in yourself, more connected in yourself, and have everything expand in your understanding of what this life means if you are willing to go forward into the evolution of a spiritual journey. And Rick Paul is one of the people who can help you with that. Thanks again for joining me. This was Logical Magic Examining Esoterica. I am Elaine, you can find me at at attherisingmoon.com, book me for a tarot card reading or a life coaching session, or my YouTube channel is Chromecast at the Rising Moon, C-R-O-N like Nancy E-C-A-S-T. And why I made up the word one day and didn't realize that every search engine in the world would be like, do you mean Chromecast? Why no, I don't. I mean Chromecast. I will see you next time on Logical Magic, examining esoterica, live well and live magically.